Hi, uh, my name is Greg Puckett. I'm an extension assistant with the Pesticide Safety Education Program. Uh, myself and my colleague Frank Bright are going to talk to you a little bit today about applying pesticides safely for your uh, recertification. So uh, our session goals today are to sort of update, refresh your memory on some of the core concepts of pesticide safety that you um, practice in your jobs and then we're also going to give you some updates on pesticide laws, uh, regulations, and label requirements that have come out since last time you were here. So we'll start out with uh, laws and regulations. So first of all you should all be familiar with uh, FIFRA and the Nebraska Pesticide Act. Um, the FIFRA is the federal uh, law that regulates pesticides in the United States and so it one of the most important things that FIFRA does is it classifies pesticides as either general use pesticides or restricted use pesticides. Uh, and restricted use pesticides are the ones that you need a license to apply. And so I'm guessing that's why you're all here today. Um, and so uh, we'll talk a little bit about what RUPs entail. And one of the main things is that they require uh, records to be kept when you make an application. That's for either commercial or private applicators. So you can see on this slide here, um, in the red text, CNEB guide, uh, you'll see that from time to time throughout this our presentation here. And uh, those will refer you to uh, extension publications that can provide fuller details on these topics that we're going to kind of touch on relatively briefly. So on this slide, you can see the uh, required information for commercial record keeping. Um, all these things must be recorded uh, within 48 hours of the application in Nebraska and be kept for three years. Um, in a few years, uh, the new, some new uh, federal regulations are going to come into effect. And so you can see that we've crossed out some of these items. And so those things will no longer need to be uh, recorded starting in probably about 2023. But for now, uh, you need to record all of them as a commercial applicator. On the private side, uh, you also have to keep records. Um, you have a little more leeway in terms of uh, how long you have before you need to have those completed. Um, there's no changes coming to, the, to those requirements in the future. Um, and uh, the PSEP program has actually some nice record-keeping resources on our website now uh, for you to use. Um, it's anything from field records, uh, worker protection standard uh, forms, and calibration records, and a whole bunch of good stuff. So go, I would really encourage you to go check those out as well uh, to help you out. So looking at, turning toward labels a little bit, um, our newer labels tend to have uh, these shapes and warning warning shapes and with the signal words uh, to sort of signify how uh, hazardous a particular product is. And so we can see on the left side here, caution is the least toxic um, indicator word all the way up to danger. And danger is the signal word that uh, indicates high toxicity. And so you can see that each of those words have a corresponding shape to them. Um, more sides on the shape means higher toxicity. So in addition to those shapes, you can also see uh, specific hazard 
icons like these. You got poisonous, flammable, corrosive, explosive. And so th those relate to specific chemical characteristics of the product. And so ultimately, you can see a combination of the two um, like this. So I mentioned the worker protection standard. And so <coughs> basically, what the WPS does is it helps to protect uh, applicators and agricultural workers on um, farms and ranches. Um, EPA updated this in 2015, and all of those new changes are now in effect. Um, so when we're thinking about WPS, the big thing you want to remember is that this information can be found on labels in the agricultural use requirements box. That's where you'll find all of those uh, requirements. So just looking at some of the uh, highlights of WPS, um, it requires uh, employers to provide annual training uh, for both workers and handlers, and there's different uh, trainings for each of those groups. Um, it requires when there is a pesticide application on your establishment that you um, display sa certain safety information in a central location so that everybody can see it and uh, keep themselves safe as a result. Um, it includes restricted entry intervals, which can also be found on your pesticide label, and that is a specific to a product. It's basically how long you must stay out of that field after it's been treated before it's considered safe to re-enter. Um, employers are also required by WPS to keep, uh, you know, water and uh, other decontamination supplies, soap, towels on hand at all times in case of a pesticide accident. Um, they have to provide you emergency assistance if you need to go to an emergency room for, a, for an exposure. And then lastly, the uh, um, application exclusion zone, uh, which we'll cover in more detail here in a moment. Um, WPS also, with the agricultural use requirements box, has uh, PPE requirements on there for each product. Um, generally speaking, employers are responsible for providing all of that PPE aside from the uh, long sleeve shirt and pants that you would sort of show up to work already wearing yourself. Um, and also, that includes respirators if the product requires it. Um, and if you need a respirator for a product that you're going to be applying, then you also have to be medically evaluated um, fit tested for it annually and also receive annual training on how to uh, use and care for your respirator. So we'll uh, watch a brief clip uh, about the application exclusion zone and then we'll be back. This video reflects updates made to the application exclusion zone covered in the Worker Protection Standard effective December 29, 2020. During a pesticide application on farms, forests, and nurseries, ag workers and others must not enter the treated area or the application exclusion zone. If someone is in the application exclusion zone or is in an area where they may be contacted by drift, you must suspend or stop the application. The treated area is the part of the field that has a pesticide applied to it, shown here in dark blue. And what is the application exclusion zone or the AEZ? 
This is an area that surrounds the application equipment, such as an aerial sprayer or a ground sprayer, and moves with it like a halo. It can extend from 25 to 100 feet from the outermost spray nozzle, depending on the application. We'll cover that in a minute. Notice that the application exclusion zone is limited to the property of the farm whose field you're spraying. It does not extend into someone else's property. However, whenever someone could be affected by spray or drift, such as being near the property line, you must suspend or stop the application. The AEZ is 100 feet from the outermost nozzle for aerial, air blast and air propelled, fumigant, smoke, mist, and fog applications. The AEZ is 25 feet from the outermost nozzle for all other spray applications made from a height of more than 12 inches above the soil or any planting medium. Applications of granular pesticides and soil incorporated pesticides, but not fumigants, do not require an AEZ. Also, pre-plant, at-plant, and spot spray pesticide applications do not require an AEZ as long as they are sprayed from a height less than 12 inches from the soil or any other planting medium. You must suspend or stop applying a pesticide if you see someone in the application exclusion zone. This is on the farm property. You cannot continue with the application until the person has moved out of the AEZ. Only a trained and equipped handler involved with the application can be within the AEZ. And remember, you must suspend or stop any pesticide application if it could contact anyone directly or through drift, wherever they may be. So that's a general overview of the worker protection standard, and we really encourage you to check out the How to Comply manual, which can be found online, and that's a really great comprehensive uh, reference guide to everything that needs to be done under that regulation. So I'd like to touch on a few of the specific chemistries out there and some of the label changes that you should be on the lookout for in the future. Um, so for RUP Dicamba, uh, Extendamax and Ingenia uh, got new registrations for 2021 and uh, Tavium was re-registered. Uh, and so all three of those products will be uh, legally applied until 2025. And so some of the things to look for on those new labels are uh, there's still dicamba specific training required. Um, there's now a national June 30th application cutoff date. Um, and there's also some plenty of updated drift management practices to be aware of. Um, I don't, I'm not gonna get into all of that right now, but um, good things to keep an eye out for. Um, Paraquat, another herbicide. Um, new labeling for, for Paraquat is going to include uh, literature and these infographics that your dealer must provide to you at the time of purchase. That's um, considered part of the labeling. Um, it's going to require close system use to avoid exposure. Um, and it's also going to re require product-specific training. Um, and that's a national training program. It's online, um, really good one. So um, atrazine, there's some changes coming to atrazine labels. Um, they're going to reduce the maximum application rates on that. Um, they're going to require some more 
personal protective equipment for uh, applicators and it's going to require additional spray drift control measures on there. So things to watch for there as well. Um, and then lastly, glyphosate. Uh, new labels for glyphosate are going to add protections for um, non-targets of your application, pollinators, and then uh, added language to uh, address weed resistance as well. So be on the lookout for those.